0: Hi everyone, welcome to today's episode. This episode is a replay of one that I put out two years ago, entitled Five Keys to a Successful Marriage. And really, the five keys haven't changed. So I thought I would just replay this episode. It's good to kind of sit back and remind ourselves what really is important as we all work towards having a happy, long, successful marriage. I hope you enjoy. So, if you're listening to this episode real time, Valentine's Day is just a few days away. And I guess I would like this episode to be almost an antidote to what you're hearing in the culture about what makes a successful marriage. Flowers and chocolate certainly help. And a love note to each other really helps. One that you wrote, preferably, not one that you purchased. But it got me thinking, what's really important in a marriage? And I thought back to when we were first married. I remember thinking, how come no one ever told me it was gonna be this difficult? (laughs) My husband and I, um, we had pretty easy courtship and engagement period, but then after we got married, holy cow, we argued that whole first year. It felt like nonstop, I'm sure that it wasn't, but Boy, it was really a rough year. And I found with nearly everyone I know that at some point or other, their marriages are tested. And some more than others. And for most of us, our marriage is tested often. The longer we're married, the more it's tested. But the older we get, the easier it is to get through the testing. So I wanted to give just five keys To what I think are critical to have in a successful marriage. As with any skill or talent, nothing starts off perfect and neither does marriage. We learn how to live together, forgive, communicate, identify our spouse's needs and we truly learn the art of loving another person. The greatest misconception about marriage is that we all know what we're getting ourselves into. No one can possibly know the joys and challenges of an endeavor that they are experiencing for the first time. To say that, well, if it was meant to be, it won't be hard, is totally false. It is hard. Just like parenting. Parenting is hard. And yet, both marriage and parenting are the most fulfilling, fulfilling, Life changing, life giving experience that you'll ever have. And please don't be fooled into thinking that only marriages without serious issues last forever. The marriages that last forever are the ones where the couples work hard to grow in holiness, forgiveness, and charity for the other. Sometimes that's a huge ask when a spouse has terribly damaged the relationship. So after 36 years of marriage, here's my cheat sheet on what I wished someone had told me on how to have a happy, long marriage. All right, number one, make him your first priority. Give him your first and your best. As with so much in life, we let the urgent or what we think is urgent supersede the important. So you're not a bad mom to say to your child, not now, I'm speaking with your dad. Or, hey kids, let's find out what dad wants to do today. Nor are you being a derelict parent to have regular times away with your husband, whether they're planned date nights or long weekends. You need both date nights and long weekends to charge up your marriage. You know, If we're driving a car and we don't check that fuel level in our car, we'll run out of gas. In our marriage, we need to keep adding fuel to our relationship so that we never get stuck out of gas, deserted and lonely on some dark highway. We need to continually refuel our relationship first before anything else in our life. And by the way, Don't forget that how you treat your spouse is what your children will learn and how they will treat their spouse. So you want a good reflection for today? From your children's eyes, how do you treat your husband? You should be best friends. Your husband should be your confidant. He should be the one you share your day with. He's entitled to hear your joys and sorrows and your dreams in life. And it's important to have friends, but our spouse should be our best friend. The one who knows us the best and the one to whom we are most loyal. Treat him well. Number two, understand the power of communication. So I'd like to talk about three different types of communication. Verbal, nonverbal, and physical. First, verbal. Tell him you love him often. Tell him you're proud of him often. Thank him for the ways he serves you. And if you find it hard to think of the ways that you love him or the ways that he serves you, think. Really think about it. Because he does love you and he does serve you. We have to focus on it rather than on the ways we think he doesn't love us and doesn't serve us. Speak to him with respect. You can't unsay unkind things. And women really know how to speak with a sharp tongue. Never berate him or nag him. And if you're tempted to do that, First, don't do it. But if you do do it, never do it in front of the children. We often speak to our children better than we speak to our husband. That's a bad thing. Simply speak with respect, tenderness, and kindness. Speak to him as you would speak to a stranger. Isn't it funny how we treat strangers better than the ones that we say we love the most? Well, not really funny, but it's sad, isn't it? So let's treat our husbands well. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Forgetting to take out the trash isn't automatically a disrespect of you. He just forgot to take out the trash. So don't slam him verbally for not doing it. Just ask him nicely. And then in our verbal communication, listen. Listen to him more than you speak. Generally, women share their thoughts and feelings more easily than men. When we're sharing, we're not listening. Ask him what he thinks. Ask him for his opinion and then stop and listen to him. It may take him a while to express it because he's not used to you asking or he's not used to sharing. Again, don't forget women do it more easily than men do it. But we want to help our husbands share their opinions and their thoughts by listening and always be honest. Give him the space to be honest with you without either of you being critical of the other. There's a difference between being honest and being critical. Let's be honest with each other. In our nonverbal communication, go to greet him when he comes through the door. Let him know he's your first priority in the home. Make sure that the children see that you honor him as the husband, as as the head of the house, that you honor him that way. It's not a disrespect to you to show the children honor and respect for their father. And nonverbal also goes into our physical. So in our physical touch every day, kiss him hello, goodbye, and in between. Remember when you were dating and you couldn't get enough affection? When you sat right next to him and you wanted to hold his hand all the time and you kissed each other all the time or he touched your back or whatever. What happens after the wedding that so many completely give up affection? Human touch is essential in relationships. And I'm not only talking about making love in the bedroom. Hug each other often throughout the day. Kiss each other often. Hold hands And just be tender with each other. And while we're thinking back to those dating days, remember when you spent an hour getting ready before he came to pick you up? Marriage should not be a bait and switch for our husbands. Where we made an effort before the wedding, but now we're just too tired. Or we don't care. We don't think it's important. It's important. Care about how you look. Make an effort to be beautiful for him and for yourself. You will feel better about yourself as well. Many women complain that their husbands are detached or selfish, are in their own world, are lazy with things around the home. And I wonder if this isn't because we've sent the message verbally and nonverbally that they aren't important to us. So they detach because they don't want to be hurt anymore. Or maybe it's as simple as just speaking to each other on a regular basis, one-on-one, without the children, communicating each other's needs and making resolutions to meet those needs. All right, number three, serve him. We live in a world where we are trained to have our own needs met. We're so focused on ourselves that we forget our husband also has needs. And our men are trained to not identify their needs. That's what the culture does to them. So help your husband by asking him, what do you need from me? Always remember that his needs come before the children's. Then work together to take care of the children's needs. Help him see ways he can serve you. Not by nagging at him, but by asking him kindly to do a particular thing around the house. I remember when all the kids were young and I got mad that Michael didn't think to go up and give them baths while I was doing something else. I got mad. He simply said, hey, just ask. I'm happy to do it. I didn't know that it needed to be done. So instead, I got all up in my negative thoughts and judgments about why he wasn't doing it. I just needed to ask him. This is really important. Men and women are different in their thoughts and worldview. We were created to be equal yet different and to complement. Once you accept that, you won't always go to a negative judgment of your husband. He just thinks differently than you do. It's okay. He has gifts and talents and ways of thinking that you don't. If you find a serious imbalance in your relationship, talk it out. Not argue it out, talk it out, and come to agreeable resolutions. It doesn't mean that you'll never have issues or disagreements or misunderstandings, but you will get in the habit of talking it out, expressing your needs, listening to your partner's needs, rather than growing in silence and resentments. That is a good way to serve him. And I've also noticed that in my relationship with Michael, the more he serves me, the more I want to serve him. So he may take my dishes over to the sink. And I notice that. And I will do something for him, like put his shoes away that he forgot. But we don't get angry about it. It's an active, positive action that we do, rather than a negative, passive action judgment. Okay, number four, commit to the long game. And who knows how long that game is. It may be five years, 10 years, 30 years. I just went to a funeral of a woman. She and her husband celebrated 70 years of marriage a little bit ago. If the option for divorce is anywhere in your thoughts or comments to each other, you've already opened the door to the possibility. So when you're arguing, be very careful that you don't throw out ultimatums. Divorce seems to be an easy option. It seems to be the fix to the problem that you have. It isn't easy, and it leaves spouses and children devastated. Work through issues. Compromising is necessary in any relationship It will not always be easy, but it will bring lasting happiness. Imagine if you divorced your children when they misbehaved or when they did something that really was a bad decision. We don't ever do that with our children. We forgive and forgive and forgive again with our children. Why is it that sometimes we don't have that that same mindset with our husband? We should have it first with our husband, and of course we'll have it with our children. Forgive more times than you can count. We're each going to make mistakes, and some of them may be very big mistakes. Forgiving may be difficult. Sometimes you may feel like it is impossible. But growing in forgiveness makes us a better human. Neither of us is perfect, and in fact, the odds are we'll all be confronted at some point in our marriage with a very difficult situation because of an infidelity or addiction or neglect of each other. The choice becomes, do we decide to grow through that disappointment and sorrow or work through it, and it won't be easy, but depend on God and his grace to give us the strength to work through issues for the greater good of all, for growth in ourselves and our husband, and for the example we set with our children, that we will work through this so they have the life we promised them when they were born. A stable, loving, faith-filled marriage and home. A stable, loving, faith-filled marriage and home that they can bring their children to. Now, there may come a time when you need a good marriage coach or counselor. Choose wisely. Make sure they have the same values of coaching you through the difficulty, implementing actions that serve you and your spouse, and save the marriage. Many years ago, Michael and I went to see a marriage counselor. And in fact, a couple of times we went to see a marriage counselor. We know what it's like to have a bad marriage counselor. A couple of them said, you know what, just move on. That's not what we wanted. So we found someone who said exactly what we needed to hear. Your children didn't sign up for divorce. That was important to hear. And it helped us understand that it was our obligation and really our privilege to work out what we needed to work out so that both of us could grow in virtue and kindness and charity. Number five, pray with him and for him each day. Now, maybe some can live that long game of marriage without God. I have never met any couple who has. And after 36 years of marriage, I don't know how it's done without the supernatural power and graces of God. God, to me, is the super glue for long marriages. It is the foundation of everything that comes forth from our relationship. Pray together each day for each other, your needs, and your family. And then pray separately, at least 10 to 15 minutes alone, bringing your needs to God and letting him help you depending on him and trusting him. All the long marriages I know have had God at their center, and it's never too late to bring God into your marriage. I was not a let's pray together type of girl when we first got married, but Michael insisted, and it was the best thing we could have ever implemented in our marriage. Sometimes when we've had an argument, the last thing I want to do is hold his hand while we lay in bed and say our prayers together for the night. But it's amazing what that physical touch does to an argument. It sort of melts away the anger. Like fine wine, great marriages take a long time to mature. You will have some bumps and some boulders in the road. Breathe. Step back and remember why you wanted to marry this man in the first place. Marriage is a relationship that requires our attention. We need to nurture each other, be kind, be tender, be forgiving, and pray to make our marriage last. You can grab the Five Keys to a Successful Marriage download at JanetQuinland.com forward slash marriage. Have a great week. Take care. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd subscribe, leave a review, and share with friends. Thank you. Have a great week.